school, I people think on a podcast that we're hearing the theme music. You know, like it's you know, it's like coming in and we're definitely rocking out like oh, yeah. it's playing. Yeah, yeah, it's playing right now on the speaker. <laughs> Not at I'm all. D- I'm over here DJ. Wheels of steel. This, I love this part that's about to come out. Can we just set this that's up? That's the guitar part, right? Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> really sick. No, I like the homeless guy. <laughs> the homeless guy screaming is very positive. That comes later. This is the beginning part. Oh, oh, See, so yeah, obviously, that. this is not pre-taped at all. But they also do they know that I'm wearing a chest plate <laughs> <laughs> on your crotch. <laughs> Oh, uh, you mean the part that comes after we do the intro? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Obviously, another stellar episode of Going Off Track is here in your face. It is I, Stephen, with our audio guru, Brad. Hello. By the way, Brad works his ass off on this thing more so than I think any of the rest of us. Just need to point that out. Oh, there. thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I yeah. love it. I love it. Uh, uh, rock journalist extraordinaire Jonah Bear, who basically <clears throat> gets all the guests on the show by turning on his phone. Yes, that's the easiest way to do it, I think. <laughs> Contact You guys are in town, you're playing, you should come by. Please come by and hang out. And so many people live in New York and Brooklyn that it's it's been pretty easy to book. Yeah, they, they walk over. Yes. Which is nice. Yes. And our favorite TV producer, Mike Canjemi. I'm here. Mike, you are here. I'm here. Yeah, Mike has missed a few of the interviews uh, and hangs and stuff because of, uh, obviously, a fun occupation doing television. Um, when we record... We do it during the week. Sometimes Mike can't show up, but he is here today. And today on the show, we have uh, Tucker Rule, who was in Thursday. Uh, primitive, was he in Primitive Weapons or I Hate Our Freedom? I Hate Our Freedom. Um, Murphy's the Law, he played with. He filled in for My Chemical Romance. And now he's playing for The Wanted. The Wanted, yeah. We're going to discuss The Wanted uh, during the interview. But what's interesting about The Wanted is, and not to totally blow away, you know, the the cool story about what The Wanted is as a band, but are, are board bands back? <laughs> Again, like it seems I've gone through three or four cycles of these in my life. And it says One Direction and The Wanted. So there's two, but it feels that... There's, the there's always really only two big ones, I feel like. And then there's a bunch of smaller ones that crop up. Right. So there's going to be a 98 Degrees new and one. And there'll be the, yeah. um, what's that, O-Town? Remember those kids? Oh, they got God, put yeah. together on MTV. And then like an LFO or something. A B2K. Wow. We know a lot about this. This is kind of shocking. at the time, yeah. You were working in, in the heat of it? I was there. Through, I had to go like do O-Town's cue cards for like a show that we were doing. And I'd like write them and be like, oh, my, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> yeah. I remember interviewing a couple of the, the Backstreet Boys. And again, it just the same as anyone I've ever talked to. Pretty cool dudes. Just egoless. Just like, this is my gig. This is what I do. We're just kind of. That is shocking when, you know. People aren't douchey. Yeah. <laughs> What's shocking is the people you don't expect to be, you expect to be cool, turn out to be really douchey. That sucks. That's that's like I, I've I've left interviews just crushed. That's why you know the rule: never meet your idols. Yeah. No. God. No. And ne- never meet your idols, and never bring up personal things you may have experienced on your own time. Hey, here's one. I interviewed the Black Eyed Peas years ago, <laughs> and I would love to say we're going to get them on the podcast someday. Not sure if that will ever happen, but it'd be nice. Uh, and Will I Am's like ex fiance I used to work with at this um, middle school. She was a one on one in the uh, special ed department. She'd work with one kid who had uh, severe learning differences, and it was great. And I would sub there, and I got to sub this class. So Black Eyed Peas come on, and you know, doing your little riffs in between commercial breaks just kind of talking keeping the guest engaged and i was like hey man i used to work with uh gina oh 
Well, yeah, we worked together. Yeah, it was it was cool. Uh, cut to two days later, the label calling my then boss. What the hell is Steven talking about? <laughs> Will's like ex-girlfriend, ex-fiance he brings up. And I'm like, I had no idea. I, how am I supposed to know that? Mind you, it had been like three years prior. <laughs> but here I am just pouring salt in the wound of this guy <laughs> while trying to talk to him about, tell me about Ella Funk. Oh, you prick. Well, I felt like that would happen at Fuse, too, which is why I felt like if someone was like, maybe don't mention Jonah's name to bands because... There's a 90% that he's friends with them, and a 10% he wrote a bad review of them at some point, and they're still mad about it. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I had listened. <laughs> All right. And these guys I know will definitely come on at some point as Avenged Sevenfold. We can get some of them to talk. Uh, you wrote a review of one of their records. You gave them three out of four stars, right? Uh, I can't know. Yeah, maybe, you did. It, maybe it was, I think it was out of five. Okay. Which is a solid <clears> review. It wasn't bad. It what? wasn't a terrible Dude, review. Dude, why don't you just do bad reviews under an alias? Like, I thought about it, but I felt like I was like, I have, I can't. But make it kind of obvious, like Mona J, or, <laughs> and then I'd be like, dude, that chick sucks. Whoever Mona J. <laughs> no one will ever if you, if you had a regular column and you just changed your name when it was a bad review. Yeah, I, think, I, I think everyone at AP at some point has written stuff. I, we all had fake names, not for bad reviews, but just for like weird random reasons or just to like. But if it was if a band we, that you like legitimately love the guys and you're like, but this, I, I really have honestly, to be honest. Like, I won't write bands I really love. Like I just won't write about usually. Unless it's awesome. Unless yeah. you like really yeah. truly love it. Yeah. Great. So you're just saying that there's no point in me reading any reviews. Yeah, there's anyone. no point in reading any, it's any of my reviews. <laughs> when you were, did, did you ever read reviews of your band? Oh yeah, sure. Did you ever get and try and get in touch with the ones you didn't like? The, no, the journalists. No, there were no bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> you can hear the Goop's music at the beginning and ending of this podcast, and only there. <laughs> There was this trashed magazine, I don't know if in the city a while ago, it was like going around, somebody had told me about it, and they were like, dude, get him one of your band CDs, because we had never even been reviewed, like the Clam stuff, and they actually saw one of our gigs, because I guess one guy that was booking us gigs ended up sending somebody from their magazine, and they said, we don't find you interesting enough even to review. <laughs> it was the, They're like, yeah, you guys are wacky and cool, um, yeah, and I was like, Wow. Wow, really? Like not even worth. Like we're not, but dude, it was like one show, and it was like terrible. It was awful. But I was like, wow, you guys are dicks. <laughs> this is not even a magazine anyone's heard of. Like I just want to hear what somebody had to say. We've been reviewed by other places, way nicer and better, and like you know. I was in a band in college, and we were being interviewed by some zine, and you know this kid doing the interview said, "Well, you know, tell me about your influences," and I went, "Definitely Meatloaf." And then the rest of the band got so pissed. <laughs> he was like, really, Meatloaf? And I'm like, no, no, just, just shut up. <laughs> shut up. I was like, you're taking this shit seriously? This kid's Xeroxing this at Kinko's and passing it out <laughs> before the show. And by the way, Meatloaf is awesome. <laughs> Can so we like, get him on the podcast? Meatloaf, yeah. All right. Okay, Dude. true story about Meatloaf. Year, Ten years ago, was at, I was working at VH1. And VH1 would have this gig called the fairway to heaven and it was a golf tournament that they would get uh rock stars and actors to come and work on so <clears throat> the year i did it it was like meatloaf sebastian bach vince neal judd nelson kyle mclaughlin who i really wanted to say hey man can you hold up this golf club and scream long live the fighters <laughs> didn't have the balls to do it i so wanted to do it 
Oh, so I got my picture taken with him. Not, um, yeah, not many people. John Daly, who was like, you know, this super drunk, like, golf superstar. Yeah. Who I got to do like a, he showed me how to do a drive with a guitar that he made work and I just look like a moron. More than, Dweezil Zappa was there mm-hmm. while he was dating Lisa Loeb, which is kind of interesting. Um, so one night, uh, I got completely and utterly shit-faced with meatloaf. Drinking margaritas. Dude, I would love to do that. So drunk. That the next day I couldn't see, and I'm supposed to work at like 6 a.m., not professional, but I, I couldn't leave. Because yeah. he kept wanting to talk about theater. Because that's how he got to start. He was an actor. He was in the, he was in Hair when it first came out. And he said, you know, and I was in this play by Sam Shepard called The Beard. I'm drunk. And I'm also me. And I went, ah, I was Michael McClure. And he went, no, fuck you, it was The Beard. I went, fuck you, Meatloaf, it was Michael McClure. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> The guy came to my college. I read the play, and I know what play you're talking about. It, you're, you're trying to think of True West, which was years later. You're wrong. It's not Sam Shepard. And he goes, son of a bitch, you are right. <laughs> you are correct. I can't believe this. And I was like, yep, going to go fall over. <laughs> and the whole time the conversation is happening, my brain would fire off a synapse and say, you know you're yelling at Meatloaf right now? <laughs> like you're yelling at him because he doesn't remember this playwright's name and you do. And you're just trying to be the smarmy cock that you are. The next day he went up to my producer and went, this kid really knows what he's doing. And they didn't pick up my option. <laughs> <laughs> it's going on track! Okay, it's not like I'm leaving to go play a show tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. where are you but going? Still, just going to Venice. Venice Beach. Okay. <laughs> <That is> <laughs> <laughs> now, Venice Beach, have you been to the parts of Venice Beach where it is literally like Venice? Yes. Where the canals and stuff? Yeah. And you're it's like, crazy looking. It's like, how do I? And then, but the rest of it didn't work. So the rest of it is just this desolate shithole. Dude, it's insane there. I was just there last week and I, like, dog on a skateboard. Yeah. You know, dog wearing sunglasses, people rollerblading. Like, are these people paid to be there to do these activities that Venice is famous for? That's the, that's the thing about California is even in New York, like on a Tuesday, you walk around New York, there's people doing stuff, sitting in coffee shops, dicking around on computers. But in L.A., it just seems worse. It's like, you don't have a job. Absolutely not. Yeah. No, you, no job at all. You're paid to be pretty and hang out and eat that fish taco. Absolutely. And your dog is wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Which means I don't have to kick your dog. Yeah, punt. (laughs) (laughs) Right on. Uh, Again, thank you for doing this. Um, We're we're very excited. Where should we begin? There's so much. Well, let's say I don't want to. I don't want. I don't want to bury the lead with what he's doing now. But what do you think? I mean, I would say Tucker Roll, drummer for Thursday. Um, See, I set that up. I wanted to do the intro. (laughs) You slide it. Has also also plays with uh, I hate our freedom. Murphy's Law occasionally. Occasionally. Um, anyone else I'm missing? We're gonna we're gonna save it. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> bury, like we're gonna bury the-, the lead, man. Bury the lead. Uh, do you? Here's the thing. I'm thrilled to finally have a damn drummer in here <laughs> because Brad plays guitar, Jonah plays guitar, and while we don't go off on guitars a lot, the first couple we did, we got a little guitar nerdy, but. Drummers are a different kind of nerdy. Absolutely. Are you are you a, are you a drum nerd guy, or are you just give me something to hit? Um, it depends on the day. <laughs> really? If I'm really hungover, it's just give me something to hit. <laughs> but normally, I'm I'm uh, you know 
on the websites, checking out new finishes and really different plies. And what do you play? I play a brand called C and C. Okay, it's a custom drum company. Ew. They built like uh, Ringo Starr's new kit. So they're they're like you know pretty old school. Ringo Starr famous for saying, "What you don't play is important as what you do play." The less is more mm-hmm. approach. He did. There was this great interview with Ringo Starr for when he did tracks on the Plastic Ono, the first record, where he went, "You know, I'm known for my fills. They're never the same." And I'm like, "That's bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's not impressive at all." <laughs> You should be able to do it again. Absolutely, <laughs> recreate the magic. You know? <laughs> do it again. Like, never the same. You know what's so funny is I've known I've known Tucker for ten years, and I feel like I've always taught gear with everyone else in your band except you. For some reason, I feel like just because I don't really know anything about drums, but I'm always like, "That's a sick drum beat." I like when like when you hit the snare or whatever. Well, you know what's <laughs> funny? It's like whenever you know, especially with some of the people in in, in my band, they they would always come up to me, and I'd be talking to like another drummer. They'd be like, oh, "Drum talk." So you, you get that every day, all day long, and you tend to not want to talk about it anymore because it's like, well, maybe I, maybe drum talk is really lame to other people. But I feel like a lot of musicians, that's all they want to talk about is like gear or like that kind of stuff. Whereas I feel like you're not really like I I, I typically save it for my 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 private time. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> John and I had a conversation about drums with Aaron Comet Bus, who told me. He's like, oh, I love this kit. I found it in the dumpster behind like a girl's school. It has this great sound to it. And I just, I love that kind of stuff. Well, you had that crazy bass drum too, I felt like towards, like that super deep one. Yeah, yeah. It was, well, tall. It tall. Was, yeah. Yeah, it was very gigantic. Um, uh, it's to cover the fact that I'm very small in stature, I feel. No. Please, some some would say. I remember circles. seeing uh, Rocket from the Crib years ago, and Adam Willard did that. He would play the giant Slingerland yeah. kick, and yeah. it, was, it just it looks impressive. It really does. But you know what they say about a big kick? No, <laughs> small beater. What are they? <laughs> <laughs> now, do you uh, do you have uh, you know the little the little stripe with the shield on it with your no initials? no stripe and shield the the, the 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 company that I play they do this uh, this. Uh, I guess you could say it's a horizontal stripe with the with the uh, the CNC logo, yeah. but it doesn't have my initials in it, so uh, I, I kind of say it's not do, really. Do you, a have, do you have sticks? I do. And who makes your sticks? Promark. Okay. How did how the hell does that happen that you get your own stick, and what do you do to make it well, different? Technically, I don't have my own stick. They will print sticks with my name on them, oh. so they're not like retail sticks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you gotta you gotta be some sort of uh, you know superstar <laughs> to have that happen to get your own stick i remember yeah. years ago because I, I was a drummer and 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 i thought you were gonna say i was a superstar <laughs> i was a complete superstar <laughs> andrew lloyd weber wrote a musical about me I remember. uh god i feel like i've been dead for three days <laughs> um <laughs> uh and i remember when i was i was learning drums and my i bought a uh carmen a pc apathy vanilla fudge how the hell do you say it a PC, right? I always said a piche, but a I, piche? I think that might be completely wrong. I have no idea. Um, he was also in Blue Murder, and wait, was he in Deep Purple? My, yeah. Okay. So he had this. He had this drumstick that, at the very at the at the end of the stick, it was just like a ball with a little like cut like notch into it, so that you could flip it over to be kind of a mallet. But it it didn't work. It would just snap right <laughs> off. And then the, the it was a nylon a nylon tip, but it was so thin at the neck that that would just snap. And I remember buying it going, I feel completely ripped off. Like, why did I 
I get this stick. Then I find out later it's because he liked to twirl. So it was more of a balanced stick. So that oh. was the whole purpose of the damn stick was twirling the stupid stick. So he thing. could just like have it yeah. and never lose it. That's and he apparently dumb. played with having the stick in between the um, his middle finger and his ring finger. He would... I've seen people do that. That I've tried to do it. It's so painful. Yeah. It like that skin is not meant for a callus. No. <laughs> I think I know why the guys in your band make fun of drum talk now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Shut I'm up, starting Jimmy. to learn. <laughs> Catching on quick, huh? Yes. Um, so do, you, do you use two floor toms or one? Which I use two. All right. <laughs> I when you when I found out you were coming to the show, all I could think about was, and we can edit anything out if you don't want to talk about it, but that time that you got naked in that Mexican restaurant in Cleveland. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, this you never know what happens when the lights go out. <laughs> this involves a lot of unpacking. <laughs> Just true. We were in Cleveland for Jeff's birthday. Jeff's birthday, and at Jonah's, as per Jonah's suggestion, to go to this. And you were in town too. I was touring with you guys. Yeah, when I came to a bunch of the shows and rode in the bus. And we were that, that's touring. You just hung out. That's I just touring with you. Literally didn't do anything. <laughs> like Jim was there, and he was like helping move gear and stuff. I was like, I'm just going to drink and hang out. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's really shit. all you did. Yeah, I was <laughs> freeloading basically. He would help me get beers on the day off. <laughs> Remember, we carried the beers from one. <clears throat> disgusting wherever that beer place was back oh the bus. yeah i forgot about that well, i take it back that's kind of an important job is to have someone carry beer on tour. yeah yeah i'm super super helpful with carrying stuff yeah <laughs> i can carry like a six pack yeah for and then he has to switch arms halfway through the, halfway through the walk if you look on our website jonah is skinny as hell <laughs> but he is a great fun tech true 50 bucks a week yes um but oh yeah so we go to this restaurant and the power went out like halfway through our meal or something? Yes. That's when I would get naked. And it was Jeff's 30th birthday. Yes. We were drinking Megaritas. Um, the lights go out. Everyone's like, oh my God. What the hell's a Megarita? Like just a giant margarita. That fight Godzilla? Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. And uh, the lights go out, and I'm thinking, like, I'm, like, oh, I'm wasted. What, what can I do right now? <laughs> just for like birthday fun. You know, it's like some something's got to give right now. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna take my clothes off. So they, literally, the lights go back on. I don't know. I, I mean, can you explain it? You were there. I was. I was. I was in the moment. You saw the moment. A little hate. I mean, I remember just looking over, and I, I think everyone had a lot of drinks. But I remember I was like, oh, Tucker's naked. <laughs> but it was like everything else was normal. He was just like giggling, and like probably, <laughs> the waiter like came over. The lights went on, and I was just naked. Yeah, and like we were kind of the only people, and we were like a big party. I felt like no one cared. But I was like, I w- is this like sanitary? Like, can this restaurant get shut down for this? Like, Hunter's bare ass is on this seat. I showered. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was that was pretty incredible. And that's, then that's the first place for you to go is you're looking at the livelihood of the establishment, dude. It's like there's like two cheeks away from his butthole. But also, they like offered us all this stuff for Jeff's birthday, like oh dessert, all this stuff, and then they charged us for everything. Oh yeah, like yeah. The, it was like twelve hundred dollars. They or made something. it sound like it was on the house. Yeah, but it really, really was and not. And seeing that guy's knob, yeah. so we're at it. And the worst was I was sitting next to our merch girl Nelty too. So I was, <laughs> the lights went on. I was like, oh shit. When they <laughs> Sorry, gave, When they gave you the check, did you say here's the tip? <laughs> yeah, I just. No, we couldn't. That was the whole thing. We couldn't pay because the power was out. So they had to like bring the bill like to the venue the next day. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> I remember like all the logistics of this for some reason. I was getting dressed. <laughs> how, how long were you? How long were you in Thursday? Oh shit! Whole uh, time? Yeah, since day one. Uh, God, I want to say thirteen years. Zowie. Yeah. And was that how did how did that band form? Well, 
uh, Tom and I, the guitar player, went to high school together, mm. and uh, we both played didn't know how to play instruments at all. Um, I started playing drums when I was eighteen. He started playing guitar when he was like sixteen or seventeen. But like Nirvana, you know, "Come as You Are" was the only thing he could play. Um, and we just like we loved hardcore music. And we would go to these shows, and we were always the outsiders at the shows because there were never any shows in our hometown. So we'd always have to go like thirty miles to like Morristown or something like that, or you know, uh, wherever it was at the at the time. And everyone would be friends. And then just us scrawny little douchebags. What would, town were you coming from? Uh, just uh, White House Station or Flemington, you know, oh, like yeah. cent, cent, Central Jersey. And uh, we're like, shit, this sucks. Like, no one will accept us because everyone's already friends. We should just start a band and, like, start playing so we can, like, play shows and make friends and, you know, have, hang out and not feel like outsiders. And then we met Jeff, and Jeff just wanted to start a band to playing his basement because he had all these great bands come through town like hot water music and at the drive and all that stuff so we're like all right let's let's make this band and they would stop they would play his basement yeah they would play his basement in in in, at rutgers on somerset street okay did you go to a lot of shows there i went to a few yeah 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 four dollars and a can of soup pretty sick um so it kind of just worked out and we, we did our first show i remember new year's i forget what year it was uh, with Saves a Day, and I was doing a waiter gig that night, so I had to drive from my hometown to Rutgers, which is like 50 minutes. So I was om- I almost missed the show because it was traffic and I was late. And- so when you start playing drums at 18, that's, I mean, I mean, you can learn any instrument anytime, but that seems a little late for drums. Super late. You know? Did, did you just pick it up super fast? Picked it up super fast, like just the, the mechanics of... Uh, of how it works couldn't play but i i, I figured out okay if, if i'm going to move my limbs separately i have to not think i'm very good at not thinking um <laughs> which pretty much sealed the deal for me but i spent a lot of time you know practicing you know i would i would go home and i would just sit in my mom's attic and play constantly did you take lessons at all no i i never did and i, I kind of wish i did hate uh, you Wait, sorry, what? <laughs> but see, I can't, like, my rudiments suck, but I can play a beat, you know? But I wish I took lessons. Then your lessons rudiments just... <laughs> are fine if you can play. You don't have to do, yeah, like, a paradiddle I... if you can play a song. But I wish I could just sit backstage and warm up on a pad and have people be like, oh, my God. But instead I'm just <laughs> what, like... What is impressive about sitting backstage <laughs> and watching people be like... I mean, I guess it's just good for your ego. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, my, my ego is very small. I remember an interview with Ginger Baker I, I saw, and he did this amazing solo for Cream, and then they were like, that solo's phenomenal. He went, oh, it's just paradiddles. I just travel them around the drum. And he just completely discounted this great <laughs> solo he just did by saying, yeah, it's right, left, right, right. Just move it around. <laughs> Sounds great. But what I think is really interesting is, you know, what you say about you couldn't play when the band started, and Tom couldn't play, and Jeff obviously talks a lot about how he couldn't sing when the band started i mean (laughs) did you guys which i think by the way he that dude is such a good singer now absolutely which is awesome but i mean did you guys ever think like well can we even do this like we don't really know what we're doing was it more like let's just try it out i think that's why the whole the whole thing worked was because it was there was no pressure and it wasn't something that it was we were trying to like achieve something you know we just wanted to like play in front of people it was like this is going to either be it's going to crash and burn it's going to be hilarious or it's going to be amazing it's going to be hilarious 
you know, so it was, it was like a win-win, you know, it was just a couple of dudes getting together and having fun, you know, I feel like if it, if we worried about it, it would have, it would have, you know, been like the third record, you know, instead of making the first demo, you know, like, well, we got to make this perfect and we know theory and all this stuff, you know? See, for me, when I first heard Thursday, it was all of a sudden there's Thursday and there's a huge following. I had literally just moved to New York. This was 10 years ago. And there was a show at Irving Plaza, first time at Irving. And it was, I went to see Planes Mistaken for Stars, who I was a big fan of. Oh, they're awesome. We're like the first record a lot, which they hate, but I like it a lot. And then. Typical, uh, right? Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like, what? Play those songs. No way, um, man. No, that was, that was years ago. It was two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? Um, uh, I was like, uh, From Autumn to Ashes, uh, Jonah Matranga, One Line Drawing, and then you guys. And I remember just watching, like, shit. <laughs> like, wow, okay. It's just a great bill. And that was, that was like my first, one of those band names that it, you know, trickled into my consciousness I'd heard about. And then I see it and all of a sudden everyone's singing along, huge crowd. And then it was just Thursday, Thursday, Thursday. Did it seem like a fast rise in popularity for the band or did it really seem like a slow burn to you? I mean, it, it was, it was faster than, than you could hold on to basically. Cause we went from doing that thing where we had no idea what we we're doing, having fun to like having fun making, you know, making no money, then having fun making a little bit of money, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, next Nirvana, and, and used is the next Guns N' Roses, and Thrice is the next Motley Crue, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was like us, uh, uh, the three of our bands, like, signed to a major. This is, next record's got to be huge. Mm-hmm. You're going to make a single, you know? You're Can gonna... we just take a soundbite of Thrice is the next Motley Crue and play that <laughs> on a continuous loop? I think they would love that. <laughs> it's idle. <laughs> That's so great. That, but it is. It's like it, it was... I, I'm glad you say that because I thought it was pretty meteoric. It was. It was like it, literally you couldn't. I couldn't really grasp the whole thing. You know, it was like one minute I'm I'm you know laughing because I I can't even play the part. And the next minute it's like wow we got to you know instead of playing a punk show or a hardcore show where there's you know 40 people in there and you're just playing for those people, you're like now having to play shows for the back of the room too. You know what I mean? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like the people that are just like sipping their drinks in the back which is was it seemed to me like it was like that understanding a car crash video came out and that that was my introduction i feel like that must have been a lot of people's too like it seemed like that was on tv every time you turned it on yeah Yeah. it was and for like a live performance video like that could never happen now we we spent two thousand dollars on that video are you serious did it ourselves basically who what was the story behind it um well it's funny we we got the opportunity to go on tour with converge and in the middle of that them asking us we also got saves the day had asked us pretty much at the same time so we were like shit what do we do we've always loved converge you know they're like the ultimate band for us like the ultimate hardcore band but then you got saves the day who's like doing this crazy awesome thing that we all love too and they're jersey boys the same you know just like us so i was like wow we could fit with this band we could fit with this band what you know what what do we do we ended up choosing Saves the Day, and they had just had a video come out. So we were like, let's do a video, you know, just, just because, you know, whatever. And their video was being spun like crazy. We got on the tour. Um, tour was awesome. Our video came out, like, halfway through that tour. And we were the opening. We were one of three. It was us, Hey Mercedes, um, and then Saves the Day. 
and people just started liking the live show and it was coinciding with the the video that got picked up and it just was like whew. was that intentional because thursday th- your live show is amazing so was that thank you were we you're welcome <laughs> uh would you say you made a performance video because you wanted to see if you could translate your live show or was that just this is based performance video is kind of the easiest video to shoot it was it just all tony bremel's idea (laughs) (laughs) neither one of those are correct uh no it was it was there was no time to like have like a uh you know a storyline behind it there was no real uh just like let's just create we we have this room this space steve our guitar player steve's friends have this place in north carolina that we can shoot they have all this cool equipment we can use like a boom arm and all this stuff like let's just try it out and the easiest thing to do like you said is a live performance video and we figured it's it's kind of a you know a song that already tells a story anyway so you why not just play the song and have people have their own you know their own make up their own thing to it you know so it's the smartest thing i've ever heard about a music video because i've gotten in serious arguments with people in executive levels about performance videos and why they won't play them like they wouldn't they would be hated and i and and i and i had a conversation once where i went you know why you don't like it because you weren't in a band (laughs) and then i wasn't invited to that meeting ever (laughs) Well, you never want to tell the story twice. You know what I mean? That's a great in one line. sitting. So. No, I agree. It's just like knowing Jeff, I'm surprised the video wasn't based on some like 16th century novel he was reading oh, at the time. Yeah. I that feel he like... wrote and that he forgot about because <laughs> yeah. he left it in his car that was still running with the keys in it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so do you want to be a front man? Absolutely. Positively <laughs> not. Most drummers want to be front men, so that's pretty solid, which means that He's a good drummer. <laughs> I've got nothing to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, geez, you know what? 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 What else happens? Nothing. You know, I have a dog. <laughs> yeah, how do you like Brooklyn? I like it. Yeah, yeah. It's it. You know, the the good thing is, is I see everybody I I know every day. The bad thing is, I see everybody I know every day. Yeah. So it's always like, well, I'm going to stay in tonight, and then somebody's like, oh yeah, we're raging down at the, you know the quads or whatever <laughs> and then you, you gotta go to the quads there's a bark named after parts of your leg <laughs> very odd i didn't think people worked out here i thought they just juiced <laughs> <laughs> um last time i saw you on tv was on the voice mm-hmm. um here it comes <laughs> what band are you playing in now uh the biggest pop group in the world called the wanted <laughs> so great <laughs> so how did that even happen was that was that through brian no really that was uh a couple months ago um, more like a year ago now because my first show with them it was in october uh a couple months before that i had hit up uh my friend eric wong who works at island um i used to work with him when my band was on island and i was like hey dude you know my band's slowing down right now i really i we're going to be doing our last shows. I don't have time to get a job right now. Do you have any like studio gigs or any artists that you're that you're working with trying to bring up or anything that needs a drummer just for a showcase or whatever it may the case may be. Like I'll sit in, I'll do anything as long as I don't have to like get a job right now cuz I have zero time to tell my boss like, "Oh yeah, I can work for 2 weeks and then I got to leave." So, he called me back a couple weeks later. He's like, "Hey, I got this I got this gig. Um 
can you do a showcase for Island with this with this uh, British band? I was like, yeah, sure. What are they called? He's like, they're called The Wanted. And I'm like, oh, another fucking punk band. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You know, love Murphy's Law, but I guess somebody heard that I played a Murphy's Law, so now they think I'm a punk drummer, so here comes the punk, you know, the punk thing. So I'm like, all right. He's like, I need you to put a band together. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I need you to put together, you know, a bass player and, and a guitar player that live in New York. I was like, all right, I got two dudes that I know will will be interested in it. And I was like, but wait, is this a punk band? He's like, no, it's a boy band. And I was like, (laughs) the phone went silent for a second. I was like, a a boy band? And he's like, yeah, like a boy band, like five pretty British dudes. And they have a, they have a keyboard player. That's already their musical director, but we, we want to, we want to make it rocky over here in the States because we're trying to introduce them into the States. So I was like, okay, uh, well, shit. Um, <laughs> never never thought that would happen or never been approached by that. Uh, how much time do we have? And he's like, four days. So I had to, like, I called my friend Brian, who you said from Autumn to Ashes mm-hmm. before. We had always talked about doing some writing together, you know, making a pop band or finding a singer and developing he or she. He's a great dude. He's a great dude. I haven't talked to him in a long time. Yeah, he's he's a... <laughs> He's a fantastic. When character. I saw you, when I saw the Wanted perform on the Today Show, and I keep looking for you know you, <laughs> and you forget that you know if it's not a you know a band, they don't give shots of the musicians. So I'm like, I think yeah, there he is. But I'm staring at Brian, going, his hair is way different. I'm like I know him. <laughs> the hell is this dude? <laughs> so you got him, and then who's who's playing bass? Our friend Eric Oddness, who uh, he plays in this band called Primitive Weapons. Oh yeah, with Justin Skirty. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. With Skirty, he used to be a band in, uh, call, uh, in a band called Foreign Islands. Just a uh, rad dude. Um, and maybe we met him because they were Primitive Weapons was here recording. Yeah, yeah. You you definitely met him. He's he's tall, looks dead because he's <coughs> he's almost blue in hue because he's so pale. Um, yeah, but <laughs> he bartends at Matchless as well. So that's how like I met him at Matchless. Met him through Skirty and. Yeah, I don't think it Justin in here at some point. Um, they so, actually asked me for good-looking dudes, so I had to pick those two. Because <laughs> Brian kind of looks like me, so I, I fancy myself. Sometimes. Yeah, man. <laughs> and Eric looks like the guy from True Blood. So. I mean, you have to ask: Are these the type of guys who would get naked during a blackout? I think that's key. I don't think Brian would ever take his clothes off. I don't even think he bears all in the shower. Wow, uh, but that's very ironic. <laughs> do tell <laughs> that's all i'll say we'll get him in and we'll reveal this no yeah. one can steal my thunder jonah <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so you so, so so you saw them on the voice uh yeah i saw the voice i was with Kristen, and we were watching it and uh yeah you could totally see it, it was, but it's so crazy because you guys i know the first thing was ellen mm-hmm. and then you did what like leno and like idol mm-hmm and then the view, and then the view. Today show, I saw. I watched the Today Show. So weird. And I saw, and we watched because I am a watcher of The Voice, although no longer now because my guy got kicked off, so I don't care. <laughs> um, but uh, so going from Thursday, who had you know great popularity, played a lot of you know venues, but certain bands, I find, you know, the, it goes to different levels, like. You know, it's like, what is your MSG? Certain bands, the Knitting Factory will be their MSG. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And, you know, certain bands like U2 MSG is their Bowery. You know, it, that that's how it works. So 
Thursday had great popularity, played a lot of different size venues. How has it been to now be in this type of atmosphere? You know, it's really weird because a lot of the venues, speaking of venues, a lot of a lot of the venues I've been playing with these guys have been like the biggest venues I've ever played with Thursday. So it's kind of like entry level for them is the biggest thing that I've ever done in my career, which is bizarre, completely bizarre. And the best part is no one cares about us. You know, it's all about the boys. So it's like I can literally just hang out in the back, do my job and have two of my best buds with me making faces. It's it's really it's fun and it's great and it's How, how did it go from a showcase to a gig? Uh it just I guess we we nailed it. <laughs> nice job. Uh, but at and the same time it's like they have a, a a British backing band as well, but I to get visas and have the the that band come over here is kind of like a, a big pain in the ass. So they're like It's Whoa. also expensive. They don't want to pay for it. Yeah. So if they can have two two bands, you know, either side of the country, it, it works out a lot better. So uh, bummer for the Australian tour. <laughs> well, I, I think we might have the Australian. Tour. Really? Yeah. Oh shit, that'd be great. So is like, <clears throat> is One Direction sort of like your thrice, like the band that was like kind of coming up at the same time as Thursday, and everyone was kind of like, dude, they are so gigantic. It's <laughs> really unbelievable. Because I'm a little out of the loop with this stuff too. Like I have to write about it for work, but it's hard for me to. It's 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 like. Um, yeah, for for some reason they're like the the like the the the, the larger larger bodies. Well, this is larger wanted entities. wanted has put out records. They've been around. Yeah, they've they've put out uh, a couple of records in the UK. Right, and so One Direction was a put together band by Simon Cowell. So they already yeah. had that cachet put together from right. X from UK X right. Factor. But it, you're right, the Wanted it does like without context. It sounds like they should tour with like Pistol Grip or something. Right, like, it totally sounds like some like Nitro record. Absolutely. Punk band. Yeah, yeah. And it's it's funny because <laughs> I love that it, it, punk I, band. <laughs> I seriously thought it was a punk band. Couldn't be any more from yeah. It's the, like the uh, dude scale. from the Vandals says it's a new project yeah. called the Wanted. Yeah, it's really sick, man. Yeah, Can you fill in for Josh Freese? Yeah. No problem, dude. I got you. So do you have to go to rehearsals where they work on choreography? They don't dance, which is the fucking best part about it. That's why I love the dude so much. There's no dancing. Nice. They're, they're like they're like the bad boys of of of. <laughs> they're of all Britain. Robbie Williams, dude. They seriously are. <laughs> And and like One Direction's like the nice, you know, kind of like whatever. Virgins. And they 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 have like this this weird beef with each other that is no one really knows why. Like we were uh, in LA doing rehearsals and one of one of my dudes <laughs> ran into one of their dudes and he was like, "Hey, what's up, mate?" And the kid was like, and walked away. And my dude is so much tougher. I was going to say, your guys seem like they'd be like, we'll pound you. Yeah, they, like, like the one, it seemed like they, they go watch their favorite football team and get a little more into it. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> definitely. What's the relationship like with the band? Was it hard to start out to be like, hey, we're your band. What's up? Well, it's it's it was it's funny because the first day we met those dudes, they they rolled right into the showcase. Like they didn't do rehearsals with us. They just rolled into the showcase right into the sh- sound check. And I guess it had been talked about that that like Brian was in Vermont to Ashes, and one of the dudes was like, oh, I think I might have heard of that. And then like it was talked about that I was in Thursday, and I also played with Mike Hem for a little while, and they were like, whoa, you know, like crazy. And then I, <clears throat> since we had. A sound check that day. Brian couldn't do the acoustic radio session with 
the boys that they had to do in the morning. So I had to pick another dude, which I, I chose this guy, uh, guy, Craig Bonich, who used to be in um, Head Automatica. Okay. And is now in Romans. Is now in Romans. Oh, shit. Which okay. I was almost in Romans, but I didn't have time. Um, and uh, they played in the morning, and, and the one dude came up to me at soundtrack. He's like, mate, that was great that you got Craig to play. I love Head Automatica. So it's like they knew like that, you know. We 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 are not just a bunch of idiots. Like we were kind of contemporaries with what they listened to, sort of. Right. So. Well, you can play, and that's key, you know. And your British accent is great, man. It's it's, it's <laughs> I'm shaping it as as we, as we speak. Isn't it funny how now it used to be as a drummer to be in a band, all you had to have was a set of drums. Do you have a kit? Yeah. Okay. Well, then you're in. <laughs> and now it's and now it's okay. We've got this various band. Can you come in? I mean, and also true to testament, you can play. And a lot of drummers don't. Once the band is done, they're done. Yeah. You know, it doesn't translate well. So kudos to you. I feel like the only way to 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 for some reason the only way to stay a musician is to be a drummer these days. For I feel. Yeah. I feel like if you're a decent drummer and you don't have the attitude the earlier <laughs> that we earlier discussed that you're going to be anything but a drummer. You have a fucking career. Man. Yeah, because they like, you know, it's just like, uh, uh, hello, Cleveland. What's the... Uh, Spinal Tap. Spinal Tap. <laughs> like the drummer explodes yeah. somehow. <laughs> and then he's gone. And then somebody's like, hey, dude, yeah. the offspring needs a drummer, man. Can you do yeah, it? If you can stick it out, if you're Shit, not a total yeah. psychopath and you can actually play a little bit, like, you're set as a drummer. <laughs> why is that? Why are drummers But it really play? is important, the first thing, that you don't have higher aspirations. I mean, oh. even if you can do it, that's fine. Do your little side project at some point, but it's like... When you're comfortable in those shoes, and this is this has been with me for decades now, <laughs> because I played, I had a band, and I swear we had one of the best drummers and best bass players in New York at the time, and together they were phenomenal, and like they just neither one of them was happy with their position, and it eventually led to the end of the band, but it was like. I just was like, don't you? And I would talk to these guys. I'm like, don't you realize that if we make it, like if we get big, like you're going to be the guy who's in like guitar player, Matt. I'm not. I play, I play a fucking guitar with open chords and I use a capo. Like I'm faking it. Like you're going to be in guitar player magazine and you're going to be in drummer magazine. Like you guys should just be stoked. And they just could never deal. And it's like, I just thought like if either one of you could just come to terms with what you're actually best at. You'll be so successful. Absolutely. Like I, I played, I, when Thursday was kind of coming to an end, I played in pretty much every single band I could possibly play in. Like I had like, so, how many bands did I have? Dude, one, so I, many. Yeah. Well, and I think that's interesting is I feel like a lot of musicians, especially once they have like a level of success, are like, I'm not going to play this dirty bar. I'm not going to play with a band that's just starting out. And I feel like you're always doing stuff and it's kind of why you've kind of gotten to this point, I guess. Well, I just knew that it would lead to something else. I just, right. I, you know, I just, not that I think I'm great or anything like that. I just knew that like, well, somebody's going to explode, you know, <laughs> so I need to fill in their shoes, you know. When, like, the last time I played in a band was in, actually, it's not true, but uh, when I was in college, this band needed a drummer and I'm not, I wasn't good at all. Wait, can you say the name of the band? No, I can't. Um, <laughs> Please. The Ice Cream Socialists. <laughs> okay. Sounds the singer delicious. lives in Brooklyn. He's in a band called The Hecklers. Go check them out. Um, uh, they apparently make it a point of not practicing. Uh, I don't know. So, but this, this other drummer I knew, because I went and I met with the guys and I played with them. And at the time I wasn't really into the sound they had. And he looked at me and he said, do you get to play? And I said, yeah. And he went, then take the gig. And I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. You know, that's 
You're a drummer. Really you play. Yeah. I mean, especially living here, it's like you can lose your chops real fast. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I could play like play in my apartment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I'm gonna you know walk five minutes to the rehearsal spot and <laughs> play by myself, which I do, but. Now, a few, Not that I would. A, <laughs> a, a few years ago, uh, we were at a uh, tiki bar. Yes, we were. And uh, it was glorious. And at the time, uh, my chem was in the market. Mm-hmm. So can you talk about what went on or did anything happen or what was... Um, yeah, I mean, there's, you know, when their drummer got surgery a couple years back, uh, I filled in and for like a month, you know, like like uh, the whole Pacific Rim basically New Zealand Australia then like uh Singapore Malaysia and Hawaii and uh so I was like great you know and everything everybody was happy we're all friends mm-hmm. to start with from way back in the day and fast forward a couple years later they you know they lose their drummer mm-hmm. you know he came back from surgery whatever happened blah 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 lost him so I got calls from a bunch of people like dude Call them right now, you know, you're the guy, you know, make sure you like, you know, give them a call and don't sleep on this. So I, I send a text message or, and, or whatever, you know, and I would just wait, just wait, and wait, and wait. And I knew that they had pressure of, you know, people probably calling them just like me, you know, and like them dealing with loss of, you know, somebody that they probably cared about, you know, all that stuff. So I didn't want to be annoying, but yet I didn't want to sleep on it. But that position got filled by a really great dude who's a good friend of mine named Mike Pettacone. And so I was happy, you know. I still had Thursday. It was, it, it was going to come down to if they wanted me to play with them, I was going to have to leave Thursday anyway. And I don't know if I was absolutely prepared for that. You know, monetarily I was prepared for that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, in my hardcore integrity, <laughs> I don't think I would have said it yes that quickly, you know. Um so I missed that opportunity. Last year, they lost Petticone, and it was like in the middle of that Blink tour. Mm-hmm. So again, their people are calling me, like people that are that are that work with them and stuff like that. Like, hey, just so you know, shit went down. Do you want it? You want to do it? Give them a call. Same thing. And uh, they were like, they needed a guy for that tour. And I was like, well, great. I already know the songs, you know. I, I know most of them, you know. Mm-hmm. I've played most of them. Uh, so I'm waiting by the phone. Should I pack my suitcase? I'll just put a few clothes in there. Just just, <laughs> just, just in case. I can't you imagine know? you packing that much clothes anyways. Oh, not at all. <laughs> I've been wearing this for like a week. Uh, <laughs> um, and, you know, they didn't hear from anybody. Mm-hmm. They played a couple shows, and for some reason I was still waiting like, I know they played a couple shows, but maybe, maybe, maybe you know, I don't maybe know. They, maybe, they used, maybe they had a machine. Maybe it was what? on track. <laughs> <laughs> what were those? Because the last time I saw Thursday was one of the last shows was, I guess, the holiday, the Starland show, um, where I didn't get the stage dive this year, which was, was probably for the best. We're all getting older. I know, know. I know. You but probably would have gotten hurt. I definitely would have gotten hurt. <laughs> um, you should be ecstatic. Well, you know, you stage diving is easy because you're like a feather. Well, also that that David Summers he took all those photos, so I have like a print of it now. Like I don't need to do it again, really. You did it. <laughs> it's it's totally, Twitter. It's my Twitter page. It's my picture for everything. You staged it. <laughs> um, but w- <laughs> what were those shows like for you? Because I remember like there was an Irving show. Like was it emotional, kind of for it to come to kind of an end? Because I felt like I was. It just seemed 
you guys seemed like such a constant in in my life. I can't imagine what it was like for you to have that kind of stage end. I guess it was it's it was totally one of those things that you're. It's sad when you decide it, but then when you you decide it and there's still more to it, right? It's like that weird like you're living in the middle of it, so you're not really dealing with the situation because you're like, well, I got to play this show tonight, and then I got to play this show. It wasn't till like the last last show in Philly which was the last U.S. show that, like, I remember, like, before, like, seconds before we went on, I'm, like, crying. I'm, like, what the fuck is wrong? I'm a grown-ass man. You know, like, what's going on here? And it, it wasn't so much, like, like, it, it's hard to explain. It was more like I've always been Tucker from Thursday. It was, like, that was part of my identity. Like, just the, the biggest part of my life was this whole thing with my idiotic friends you know and all our neuroses and all the things that we've overcome through the years and it was like it was that stuff and it was also thinking like wow i'm never gonna play that stupid friggin song again you know until we do some sort of reunion that may or may not ever happen you know it was like that that all that stuff hitting you all at one time right before you're going going on and do the last thing was yeah that was emotional and strangely enough we did an australian tour after that as our last set of shows and everyone's like oh man that must have been really heavy and crazy those last australia shows and that we were all like no man it was like we were already done in the states this was just like kind of we already said yes to doing this we have to do it right this this is the aftershock yeah it was kind of like you know it's yeah it's sad and like all the bands came up on the on the last the last day you know like a bunch of the bands Mm -hmm. from the tour came up and were on stage that was pretty cool but it wasn't as emotional as you know, killing it in the States, you know? Do you feel that with Thursday that it was something that you had been talking about for a while, ending the band, and you couldn't pull the trigger on it, or...? I think it was, yes, yes and no. I I feel like it was one of those things for the past couple of years that uh, we put all of our time and effort into it, and it wasn't yielding... You know, I feel like we kept getting knocked down. For every time we stood up for ourselves, we got knocked down twice. And which is fine. We we knew that it was going to be like that since we started, you know. It's you're always your art is always against all odds. And uh but like our bass player just had his third kid, you know, and people are trying to like make lives. We're not getting any younger. It's like people want to get married and have kids and all this stuff and it's hard to do that when you're putting all your time and effort in something that's not yielding results emotionally and monetarily so it was kind of like we always wanted to be like let's stop doing this for a little while and get jobs so we can like not worry about the band as a source of income anymore we could have it just for fun like we intended what were those moments specifically that you felt like you'd been knocked down twice i mean just uh and there's the stuff. I mean, from I'm thinking like there's the stuff that with victory. Then of course you go to a major label. What happens with the major label? Things like that. Are these part of it? Oh, absolutely. the The major label thing was the was the the, the definite worst worst uh, part of it. It's like when we were on island, we had this great team and the record was doing well. And then right in the middle of it, the team completely left. And then a whole new team came in, like literally from the, the CEO down, and they just didn't know what to do with us. Like, had no idea. The record had just come out. You know, the I think it was City by the Light Divided. And it, it did, like, a lot for us in the first couple weeks. And they were like, 
yeah, we're just going to have to pull some of this money away from you guys because it's just not selling, you know. And we were like, this is great. We're doing awesome. And then, But they were like, eh, it's just not doing what we thought it would do and we don't really know what to do with you guys. And that, that was kind of like, all right, there's the start of the, the you know, the plummet. I, I want to not hear that story, you know? <laughs> like there's so many bands, that's the story. Right, and it's, right. And it's, it has nothing to do with anything you're doing. Absolutely. It's an executive changeover that happens in any job in any situation but it someone else comes in and is like i don't get it you know i don't hear a single we're not really that kind of band yeah it's yeah. like we just do what we do and when when you're talking about taking the money away i'm talking about like tour support like mm-hmm. the stuff that the label is should be giving you so you can go out on tour to clear some of your overhead so you can actually like balance out the you know some sort of earnings you know when you're taking that away that means we're literally just doing it you know, blood, sweat, and tears, like you should be doing it, but at the same time, there's no help. Mm-hmm. Well, right. it's also the, cra- the thing that's always killed me about the majors is that it, it's ultimately a bad business decision for them to say, yeah, we're going to take away your tour support so that you're not touring, so that you're, so there is no chance. I mean, yeah, maybe they had the end in sight, and that was their way of, you know, being a bad boyfriend to break up with you, but it's <laughs> like, yeah, we get, this is... We have this discussion every week, I think, about majors. Yeah, no, totally. <laughs> like, that's what I'm just, saying. I want to hear a different it, story. The, I want to hear. I want to hear a band walk in and say, "Yeah, they dropped us. I shit on his desk." <laughs> <laughs> Here's the cool part of this: the, the end of this story, though, is what it didn't come to that. We thought it was going to, but they they had us in our their, their office, and it was near Christmas time. They're like, "Listen, we know that we kind of blew it by you guys, you know." Because we didn't know what to do, we just kind of inherited you as the you know the stepchild. Um, but we want you to take this Christmas vacation to think about whether you want to stay or you want to go. And they're like, well, of course we want you to stay, and we'll we'll do our best to work with you. But if you want to go, no strings attached, just leave. And as soon as we walked out of the office, we're like, we're out of here. <laughs> but I thought it was cool that they at least acknowledged the fact that you know. No, that's fair. They did have a little bit of, of hearts, which I had never seen in this industry before. Right. And they, they did kind of give us like the, well, sorry, you know. They give you your master's, though? Was that part of the apology? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Got, yeah, no. See? <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> fuck that. But yeah. I think it's awesome that you guys then went on to do like two more records with Dave Fridman. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, like, I feel like those records, prob- that's probably who you would have worked with even if you had stayed on the label. Absolutely. Which ruled because he, w- it was like him calling us and be like, hey, when are we going to do another record? Like, don't care about the money. You know, I know you guys are in hard times, but we need to hang out again. You know, my kids miss you. <laughs> you know, which is kind of cool, you know, like when you have somebody of that caliber being like, you know, want to come to my house and hang out? Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's like, yeah, no problem, Dave Fridman. I'll be over in eight hours. That's how long it takes to drive there. <laughs> what I think is so cool is like, um, obviously you're doing well, but I have so many friends in your position who like, you guys all dropped out of college to do the band full time. And it's like, you're all like 20 and now everyone's like 30. And I feel like I have so many friends who are like, their band's kind of broken up recently and they're like, I've never done anything else, you know, like you obviously can make a living playing drums, but a lot of people I feel like are like, can you help me get an internship? Like it's a weird feeling to kind of be at this stage in life and be like, now what sort of. See, I feel like getting back to the talking about gear, Uh I feel like if I did that talking about gear constantly and all that shit, I would not be in the position I'm in right now. I feel like what I did was like try to hang out with everybody and like, you know, just have a good time and like do what I do on stage and you know, kind of like 
if I ever needed anybody, just as if anybody ever needed me, I would be there, you know? There, but, there, was, there was an interview with uh, an executive who, who runs a company, and he said, there are three questions that you need to be able to answer yes to to get any job for across the board. Can you do the job? Will you love the job? Can we tolerate working with you? <laughs> no, for sure. And I mean, that's, that's it. Definitely I, something. I, right I think there. your personality for sure is like, well, I mean, I think you're a great drummer, but I think that that is such an important kind of intangible thing. Can, can, can you hang? Will you be cool? Like we know you can play because Lord knows we all know drummers who can play. But as Brad pointed out, drummers sadly have a reputation for being nuts. And exploding. Yeah, and losing <laughs> losing their shit because uh well generally you get to choose between the, you know, the really good drummer and the guy you want to hang out with. So yeah. Yeah. When you get to when when that's not the case it's to, to quote more interviews I've read in the past. Uh Sammy Hagar <laughs> someone said Alex Van Halen's crazy. And he said, yeah, well, when you make your living hitting something with a stick, there has to be something wrong with you. <laughs> so true. You know? So true. I'm you, barely holding on to those rails right you now. You hit things. <laughs> the train, train is, the brakes are wearing, wearing thin. Um, what? what was it like meeting David Beckham at your gig? Oh, so Because I saw rad. these photos. Trevor, or Tucker's uh, <laughs> Facebook feed has like, just gotten kind of ridiculous. <laughs> are, you, are you a big football fan? No, I mean, I... Obviously, when you see David Beckham's bus, you know, public <laughs> bus drive by on L.A. with this giant package on, you know, drive by, you're like, oh, that guy's super cock. famous and he's really good looking. Yeah. And then he, he, like, he, he brought his kids to soundcheck one day because they're huge fans of The Wanted. And, like, David Beckham's kids, like, tugging on my shirt being like, show me your drums. I'm like, sure, little Beckham child, <laughs> let's go do this. You know, he's like wearing cooler clothes than me. Like, already is like living the part, but like so crazy and cute and little. And like, I blew it really bad because my girlfriend was there with me um, at the show, and I was like, "Hey, can you take a picture with me and David?" And like, I got the the boys together and we took a picture and like gave her the camera back and was like, "Okay, thanks." And like. Totally left her out of the picture. <laughs> so that was my, my whole experience with David Beckham. I was so psyched to meet him, but I totally felt horrible. I think I as a married man, I'd be in a lot of trouble for not doing that. So you will take a picture of me with yeah. David Beckham. Yeah, because he will, is the most beautiful man in the world. And you will piss off for an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, speaking of beautiful people, how do I get into Team Handsome? Um, <laughs> well, it, it's it's funny. I'm not really sure. Hmm. Uh, can you can you tell us about Team Handsome? Because we know we Team know Team Handsome. We know a few people in it. Is a group of probably I, w- I would say it's about eight or ten people now. About? Oh yeah, Anthony, Anthony came Green. on. And he talked yeah, about yeah, it. Anthony he was Green. thrilled. He's the recent inductee. Yeah, uh, Jeff Pereira. You guys know Jeff P. Yes, mm-hmm. um, great dude. When I was uh, when Thursday did one of the earlier tours with My Chemical Romance, their production or stage manager, this guy named Socks, who they call the Oracle. Was like, the socks wasn't cool enough. Like, I guess so, yeah. Right? <laughs> so he was like, oh, look at these guys, Jeff. Friggin' look just like you. Same tight pants. What are you guys? What are they more guys from Team Handsome? And uh, that was, uh, I was inducted right then and there. Because the Oracle had said that. So that's how I got in. Um, but yeah, Anthony Green, uh, Lucas and I, just from hanging out with Anthony, he's just like the best little cutest dude in the world. We're like, you're in. You're in. Uh, 
So, so can you tell us about the crest of Team Handsome and what's on it? Uh, it's like you said, it's a crest. It says Team Handsome in a banner below it, and then I I feel like there's a in one in one of the there, there's four squares in the crest, and one of them is brass knuckles. The other one is a skull and crossbones. On the bottom, there's a comb, <laughs> and on the other bottom, there's a mirror. You know, like a vanity mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's team. And it was d- designed by Gerard Way. <laughs> Tucker also has a Starbucks tattoo. True story. Um, that he's gotten free coffee with. True. Really? True. Yeah. I feel like I know way too much about you. You really do. You know a lot about me, which is scary. You know, you know who made gazillions off of Starbucks because you bought stock at the ground floor. Wasn't it like Timberlake or something like that? Kenny G. Oh, it was Kenny G. <laughs> really? That's right. Kenny G's like, make fun of me all you want. I'm living on the fruit of Ethiopia. Could you imagine having that much <laughs> Starbucks money? Literally. Yeah, I think we all can imagine <laughs> that. They must clarinet so much profit at that company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Yeah, he <laughs> clares his net profit uh, every day. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So what I'm saying is I want to be in Team <laughs> Handsome, but I can't say I want to be in Team Handsome because then you can't be in it if you say that. I mean, I, you're in. As far as so I'm, I'm just saying. You're in, but you, you, in. you have to get the tattoo. No, no, I'll do it. That's the only thing. I got a few, I've got, I got a rocket from the crib tattoo because we interviewed John Reese, and there's no other reason to do that. <laughs> yes, and I saw you while you were getting that tattoo done. Yes. That was the I, first time you met my sister, I think. And I was slathered in lidocaine because I am a wuss. <laughs> you know what? It never feels good. <laughs> no matter how many you get, you're never prepared for the next one. Well, what I like about your tattoos, too, is I feel like some people either have, like, goofy joke tour tattoos or, like, serious nice ink, and I feel like you have both. Yeah. Yeah, I'm staring at the words no doy on your arm right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Trying to trend that topic on Twitter. <laughs> Because first I was thinking, oh, that sucks. I can't spell nobody. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He did it a little too close together. I feel bad. There's supposed to be more space there. Whatever. No doy. People, people <laughs> figure it out. So have you guys, have, I mean, I know you guys obviously just stopped playing. I mean, do you think you guys would play again as Thursday down the road? Or is it something that's not even kind of on the table now? Or It's, it's not really on the table, but I think it's an unspoken Definitely. I think the reason why we stopped doing it now is because we still enjoyed doing it. Right. Rather than, like, beat the shit out of the already dead horse, you know, might as well, like, save the carcass and wear it as a sheath (laughs) sometime (laughs) down the road. Because I feel like Jeff's other band is really going to take off. Oh, Oh, United Nations? They are amazing. They really are. Hear that 10-minute sax solo? (laughs) (laughs) Who does that? That's some avant-garde shit, right? It really is. And that, and you know, I. But what's interesting about that band is I don't think they make any money. <laughs> it's unfortunate. <laughs> it is very unfortunate since, <laughs> since that band courts copyright controversy at any given moment. Yeah, the, the cease and desist letter. Uh, cease yeah. and desist. Although it seems like nothing else happened with that, so I think we're. I think we're good. I think you're in the clear. I think we're in the clear. I'm surprised you're in the clear by by parroting an Abbey Abbey Road and putting that on the first EP. (laughs) I don't see how you got away with that. Um, I love it. I love Jeff's like alter ego too when he's in the United Nations because we did Grows Rock together. Remember? Yes. And Jeff played the earlier set as some weirdo. (laughs) And Tom played guitar with us. And Tom played guitar. Yeah. And then we played as Thursday later. But Jeff during in between songs was just like. I don't remember if he didn't say a word or what his thing was, but he was like a total skinny 
not so tough badass. Well, I think that like maybe with you and he can do this stuff that I feel like Thursday's not a serious thing, but it's like it's kind of a serious thing. Like yeah. I feel like there's serious topics and oh, like it's too heavy. It's super heavy. Oh, so heavy. So I feel like this is his outlet for all like the goofy dumb ideas where it's like this would look weird if it came from Thursday maybe because people actually respect us. So 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 going to uh I, I hate our freedom. Uh that are you used to playing drums in the Yeah. Okay. So at I've only seen United Nations United Nations once and it was uh, Jeff was only singing there's someone else screaming. Oh, Ryan. Ryan, okay. Ryan Bland. Yes. So, uh, Justin Skirty, our friend, plays guitar in I Hate Our Freedom. And at the United Nations show, which I think was the Delancey Street Bar, uh, I'm watching the band, watching Judd play. It was great. And all of a sudden, a pit forms, and I get slammed into a wall. And this is not any area that I'd ever want to be in in my life again. But I was impressed because it wasn't... Like, you go on warp through, people are like, we're going to start a circle pit. If you have to call for it, it it's not cool. Yeah, Don't yeah, do I agree. that. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, so this just happened. But who slammed me into a wall but Justin? <laughs> He's like, sorry. And I was like, what? Ow. And it's not the first time. He's like 45 years <laughs> yeah. old and pitting. What's yeah. going on with that? He's just knocking everybody I just around. said pitting. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I've ever heard that word. <laughs> I can't even... Is that worse than calling... <laughs> Strike it from the record. Is that worse than calling the crowd to start a mosh pit? It's calling it pitting? I, th- I think it is. I think that's what an pitting. old guy calls... Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> sucks. <laughs> I want to see a circle pit. Oh, it's like... Oh my God, look at that guy pitting. <laughs> right, we're going to do a wall of death. Yeah, really? He's pitting so hard right now. <laughs> I like that. The, I, remember, I, remember the fir- I remember the first time it happened to me because I'm old enough when it was... They called it Slam. You know, and I remember being going to see Faith No More, and all I know is I got an elbow in the eye, and I was like, "What? Why did he do that? I don't know what's going on. Where is everyone? (laughs) No one around me." (laughs) Yeah, it's so weird because I feel like I would always be in pits as like a teenager, and I was like, "This is fun." And now I look at it, and it's like I'm scared, and I'm like in the balcony. It's so dangerous. Yeah, it looks crazy. I mean, like so incredibly dangerous. I was never like, and I would go to like shows where fights would break out, and I was standing right there. I was like, "Oh, this is crazy." And now I'd be like. I can't believe I'm, like, alive. It's a nightmare, dude. Yeah. How did that become so, like, literally just people punching each other? Like, how did that become, like, I mean, can't blame it on the UFC. (laughs) No. You know what's funny is that it it probably looked that way. It was that like that when we were all doing it. And then, much like watching women's gymnastics, if you watch (laughs) older (laughs) Olympics, you're like, oh, they're doing cartwheels and flipping. If you watch them now... They're just, you know, like, you know, banging, you know, their pelvises oh, yeah. as hard as possible and flipping. And none of these girls can walk by 18. No, no. So that's the evolution. So if you look at, I remember seeing, uh, it might have been that show uh, that I first saw Thursday at. I looked down into the pit and people were doing backflips. Yeah. It's like, this has gone into. Become a sport. This is exactly. But I wonder, like, sport where, pitting, dude. Maybe, like. <laughs> <laughs> Like, where can it Oof. go from here? I mean, like, maybe people will to start the bringing weapons he's, in or something and just really fighting each other. X Games, dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> God, can can at the you X survive games. the pit? I want to talk about the, the, the breakup again and the fact that Joan and I have discussed it, that so many bands, you think, since they haven't done something in a while, there wasn't a record, but they're still together, they should have broken up earlier. But then there's the reason they should have broken up earlier because then when they come back, when they reunite, it seems like a lot of bands are reuniting. Yeah. And it seems that I don't think, I don't know. I don't, I want to say, I don't want to think that a lot of bands are doing it for the money. I think certain bands break up because it's time. But 
every band that does reunite, it just seems that everyone gloms on. Absolutely. Because they want to do that. Do you feel that there's pressure? Do you feel that, that you think that people might say, almost accuse Thursday of like, well, okay, well, we're just going to wait. People know they're still popular. They're just going to wait and do that again eventually. I don't, I don't know, and I don't think that I really actually care too mm-hmm. much because it's such like a, for me, it's done. You know, it's, it's, I'm moving on for better or for worse. Um, you know, I can't even begin to think about doing a reunion because it's so like fresh to me right now. Mm-hmm. And I like that, that, I mean, I, I typically think that Thursday should have broken up a while ago as well and saved the record, the latest record that we wrote for like down the road. Cause I feel like with, with every record that you do as a band, someone always clings to the record before it. And it just happens in steps. Like they didn't like this record, but as soon as you put out this record, they're back to liking that record. And it's like, it's always like people are like behind the curve. But well, especially with you guys, I feel like every time a record, especially the last few, comes out, people are like, eh, and then the next record comes out, and everyone's like, that record was awesome. Yeah, it's like, what? Are you are you nuts? Like, yeah, but that last record I, was exceptional. Yeah, I also think going out on No Tempo is a pretty awesome way to end it. Because Absolutely. that record is just, I feel like, is really incredible. I, I think people will figure it out. I feel like it's such a cerebral record. I think it's one of those things that might just take a little more time. I thought Absolutely. that record was leaps and bounds over the previous two. Thank you. I, I feel the same way. And it was, again, one of those things that it, it happened just like when we did Full Collapse and Waiting. It was like, dude, we've got nothing left. Like, there's, We're not going to you know, reinvent the wheel or anything right now. We're not going to sell any records. We're just going to do it because we have one more record in us. Let's just do it. No, so there was. We went in the studio with like two songs. How many days did you work on that record? Uh, Steve and I um, did a bunch of just getting together at the rehearsal space because everyone's kind of living other elsewhere. But I, I literally feel like we we probably did together about a week of rehearsing and writing for that record. I love how most of the best records that comes out. It's like when I hear. Uh, you know, a band like Jonah told me he actually said they worked on this record for like seven days and went before hearing anything. That record's going to be amazing. It's there's something to be said about no pressure or shit. <laughs> <laughs> if there's something to be said about like no pressure and fun mm-hmm. that really make whatever you do pretty much the best thing you could ever do. You know, with anything, and I feel like that really came together for that record. Same as like as the you know the earliest records that we did. It was just fun, and no pressure. Fucking do it, big dickhead. Tucker Rule, what do we learn about Tucker? One, that if you're the band uh, for a boy band, it's the greatest job ever. Yeah, dream gig. Life of a rock star, none of the crap. What crap is there, really, if you're a rock star musician? Um, And also, just to throw it back, uh, if ever the lights go out in a Mexican restaurant, you have but one option. Get naked. Get naked. I knew that. Yes. <laughs> that was an interesting thing to witness. That I felt like I just have told many stories about that dude because... You've been around. Yeah. And he's not shy. And that's what makes him Tucker. I like how uh, your story about you love Thursday, one of your favorite bands, and you get to guitar tech for them. And uh, what's the most important thing about handing someone a guitar? <laughs> it should always have a strap on it. Mm-hmm. 
But it, it was just confusing because it was like I had this sheet and it was like, all right, here's a set list, here's this guitar, here's this guitar. And I thought he had like clip locks, so I felt like maybe he keeps that. It was totally my fault. And I remember, I remember being like, I will guitar tech for you guys, but they're playing with Hot Water Music. And I was like, I just have to be drunk by the time Hot Water Music goes on. And so like we drank a little during their set and then afterwards it was like, me and the Thursday guys went backstage and like drank like an entire bottle of Jameson in like four minutes. We're like, all right, we're ready. And then I recorded a song on my phone and I played it back the next day. I was like, I should put this on YouTube. I have the best angle. It's me singing into my phone <laughs> so loud. And I was like, I should put this up because people will be like, like Turnstile, Terminal 5, people will be so psyched and click on the link and it's like amazing video and it's just some annoying drunk guy like singing all the lyrics. <laughs> That is perfect. We have to put that up. Yeah. Yes, I'll put it up. I'll find right. it. This will be on our website, goingofftrack.com, where you can listen to all our fun episodes. Uh, I want to thank our guest today, Tucker Rule. I want to thank Mike, Jonah, and Brad. Brad, for making this all sound so pretty. Mike, for appearing. I was in the bathroom. Did I miss anything? <laughs> and uh, we'll see you guys next week. It's, uh, I don't know. Thanks, guys, for listening. We're really thrilled with the way this is turning out, and we want to thank all the fans we have. Hey, if you like it, go ahead and give us a review on iTunes. Check us out at Going Off Track on Twitter. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash track. And uh, I think we're going to start on MySpace and Friendster account just for kicks. Sounds good to me. Yeah!